If you will, go ahead and take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. It was in 1996 that I attended a conference at Glorietta, New Mexico. You remember Glorietta? At that conference, I got to hear a pastor preach. His name was Bill Howells. Now, for transparency, in these past 25 years, Bill has stepped aside. But I'm going to tell you, he impressed me. He was the first one that impressed me that the local church was indeed the hope of the world. 1996. 2002, he released a book entitled Courageous Leadership. And in that book, he made a great statement. I'm going to put it on the screen for you so we can read it together. Here it is. There is nothing like the local church when it's working right. Its beauty is indescribable. Its power is breathtaking. Its potential is unlimited. It comforts the grieving and heals the broken in the context of community. It builds bridges to seekers and opens its arms to the forgotten, the downtrodden, and the disillusioned. It breaks the chains of addiction, frees the oppressed, offers belonging to the marginalized of this world. The potential of this of the local church is almost more than I can grasp. I'll just tell you that is a great biblical view of the church. It is it is a great spiritual view of the church. And it is a great unselfish view of the church. And quite honestly, it's contrary to, the, to what most folks believe about the church. And yet it, we're going to find today that this view is what gives us the foundation. Move it forward, if you, Todd, if you will. Because you see, this view of the church is what gives us our foundational statements. Why do I say that? Because... The truth is, last week we talked about we seek to honor God with all we, all, in all we do. We seek to honor God in all we do. Now, why is that? It is because the Bible is our guidebook, and the Bible tells us that all people matter to God, and God loves us and has a plan for us, and this is our plan for us to be the hope of the world. The local church. And let's just make it personal today, guys. New Hope Baptist Church. It is either the most important part of the community or it's the most impotent part of the community. And there's very little ground. You see... The local church that is the hope of the world is the local church that is an authentic, biblical, as we've talked for three Wednesday nights, it's an, it's an authentic, it's an Acts 2 church. It's a Holy Spirit-led church. It is a church that's New Testament, and it is a church that's a Bible church. And I'm just going to tell you, I don't sense that, sense what I'm about to say here, so if the shoe don't fit, fit don't try to put it on. I have seen across this, this land as I've traveled, and I have sensed that many churches have been hijacked by well-meaning people wanting the church to do what 
they wanted it to do instead of what God designed it to do. You see, the local church that is the hope of the world is the one who lives and who acts and, and ministers the way Jesus ministers. In fact, I have a, I, in my last church, I read the book um, that Joyce uh, Rogers wrote about her husband, Adrian, Dr. Adrian Rogers. And when she was speaking about the Bellevue Church, she called it a Jesus church. I want to bring that concept to you down the road that we become a Jesus church, that we're joyful, that we're enthusiastic, that we're serving. I mean, the list goes on and on that we can become everything that he wants us to be. That's my prayer for us. And Oh, by the way, when I had prayer with our young people yesterday as they left, I told them, I said, you know, guys, if the vision that I have for New Hope Church comes to pass, you guys are going to be some of the facilitators of it. We need to embrace our young people so that we can get things right. Because, listen, this world needs hope. Our world is falling apart. When the church loses its vision to be the hope of the world, the world loses hope. Because there's only hope found in Jesus. What I want to do today is I want to take us through this scripture Hear the words of Jesus. Find out maybe three characteristics of the local church when it is the hope of the world. And then call us to be what God wants us to be. If you will, if you found Matthew chapter, did I say 6? It's 16. 16, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm an old person. Let's stand together and uh, uh, let's read uh, God's word together. Matthew chapter 16. We'll begin reading. In verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Some translations render that, Who do people say that I, the Son of Man, is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray that today... As we hear from you, as we hear from your word, I pray that it will not just be another message or another time of gathering, but I pray that it will be a time when we hear your voice and we respond to it because there's so much at stake. Father, I pray you will impress and imprint on us today our task of offering hope to this lost, dying and dark world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated.
The local church is the hope of the world. I want to say it again. And when the local church loses that feel that they are bringing hope to the world, they have lost it all. Instead of becoming important, they become impotent because they have no mission. They have no mandate. They have no ministry. And they just go through the motions. What I want to do is I just want to lift three things that we're going to need if we're going to be actually the hope of the world that Jesus has called us to be. The local church that is the hope of the world, first of all, have the right confession. The right confession. Now, Jesus begins here at, at this point by asking him, what do people say about, who do people say that I am? And then he makes it very personal. He said, well, what do you have to say about it? Who do you say that I am? Now, if I were to ask that question to this crowd, everybody would go, well, he's the Christ, the Son of the living God. You see, all of these disciples gave their confession, probably 11 of them, Elijah, prophets, Jeremiah, all this, and only one stepped up and said, Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, we need to understand something about confessions. We need to understand, because our confession is, is important. Let's just unpack it just for a second. There are basically two types of confessions. You have confession of sin, and then you have confession of faith. Now, we know about the confession of sin because it is the confession of sin that is vitally important to our salvation. Truth is, we cannot be saved. I want to say this again. You are not saved if you've not gone through confession and repentance in your life. You see, confession owns up to your sin. Repentance turns from your sin. Confession of sin. By the way, and both confession of sin and, and confession of faith, they, they help us with restoration. But for the person who has never trusted Christ, please listen to me. You can be a church member for 35 years. You can be baptized six times. You can be dipped. You can be christened. You can be dedicated as a baby. But if you've never confessed your sin and repented of your sin and Jesus came into your life and did a work in your life and you've followed Jesus, if that's never happened, it doesn't matter who you're married to, it doesn't matter who your mom and dad is. Nothing matters because one day when Jesus says, goat, sheep, goat, sheep, you will not be on the side of that equation you want to be because you don't know the one, the judge. You see, folks, it's not about how tough you are, how smart you are, or how verbal you are. It's about what you do with Jesus. Who do you say that I am? Confession of sin. But for those here who have confessed their sin and Jesus has come into their life and, and, and they are followers of Christ, let me just say this to you. There comes a time when you have to confess sin too because I'm about to, sh- I'm about to shock you. You're not going to know this, Eric, until I tell you this. You're a human being, Pud. Y'all got me? Human being sin. And when we sin, we break that fellowship, not the relationship. We break that fellowship with Christ. That's why when you you have sin in your life and it's unconfessed sin, that's why when you pray, the skies seem brass. 
That's why you don't feel like your prayers get above the ceiling. That's why you go, there must not be a God because He's not listening to me. Confession of sin. You see, confession of sin restores the lost person to that original creation point of, of having fellowship and a relationship with God. Confession of sin for the, for the believer brings that fellow, that believer back into a relationship with God. You see, it's on us. That's the confession of sin. Confession of faith is different. And this is what we hear from Peter. Who do you say that I am? Well, you're the one of the prophets, John the Baptist, Jeremiah, or someone else. Elijah. Here's a confession of faith. Peter said, you're a Christ. You're the son of the living God. Brother Jerry, why is that important? Well, you see, the, the truth is we cannot be the hope of the world as a church if we're filled with believers who listen to what they say. We become the hope of the world when we're filled with people, with redeemed people who believe he is, in fact, the Christ, the Son of the living God, and we believe that because of what he's done in our life. You see, we can't... Um, we can't be the hope of the world on what people think. Our confession of faith must not be like those 11 who just kind of uh, milly-mouth. confession of faith has to answer from a heart that's pure, from a personal belief. I just, uh, when I look at this picture, I think somehow the magnitude of who they were following had not overcome and overwhelmed in these 11 disciples. They didn't realize it yet. Peter said, you're Christ, the Son of the living God. Have you ever thought about what that did for him and it will do for you? Please listen. When he had that kind of relationship and understanding about who Christ was, every time he fell down, he had the power to get back up. And by the way, everybody does know that Peter had a had a habit of tripping and falling. Generally, he tripped and fall fell over his own mouth. He um, he was very flexible. He could um, I want to be careful here. He he could uh, um, he could speak and get tripped over his tongue at the same time. Now, just so you know, I, I identify with Peter because Peter very frequently had his brain in park and his mouth in go, and it got him in trouble. Anybody else, don't raise your hand for crying out loud. It'll embarrass you, okay? But he gave this confession of faith, and it stayed with him forever. Now, I want to just ask you a question. I believe this may be a question nobody's ever asked you. I want you to get this picture of Jesus in Caesarea Philippi and the twelve there. And he gives them this question. Who do you say that I am? You know what the eleven said. You know what Peter says. Who do you identify with most? Oh, Brother Jerry, I'm with Peter. Really? You do understand that that's more than just a speaking. Peter was the one that picked up the sword. 
in the Garden of Gethsemane and ready and cut a guy's ear off. I'm thinking he's a bad sword swinger or he'd cut the guy's head off. Because he is passionate about Jesus. You see, it takes more than just our lips. It takes our life. My question is, is that does people, does people see, do people see in your life that you really believe this thing that Jesus is the Son of God? Does your life confess the faith that you say you possess? When Jesus asked the church, who do you say that I am? Here's what I want to tell you. The local church, the hope of the world, he's called us to be, is the church that goes out of her way to offer hope to the world. Because whether it's Marion County, Walthall County, Lamar County, Forest County, Mississippi, United States of America, or any place around the world, people need hope. And whether we're the authentic church or not will depend on how we follow Jesus. And we need to follow Jesus and be on point. Do you know why? I want to say it again. I want it to burn in us. Because his church... We are the hope of the world. And it begins with the right confession. The second thing I see in this text is what I, that we need not only the right confession, but the right call. We need to hear the right call. I want to just say a personal word about Paul, about being called. Because... There is a movement among Southern Baptists and maybe the larger Christendom that God doesn't really call anybody to do anything like preaching or what have you. I'm just going to tell you something. Based on what I read in this book and based on what happened to me, I'll tell you that's false. I was very content as a music minister, worship minister, This is going to sound wrong, but I was pretty decent at it and was seeing some success. And God put, I remember that Saturday night in the hotel room in Houston, Texas. I was over there for a church music conference, and I was sitting there on that Saturday night reading my Bible, and God said, I want you to preach. Uh, Now, the doubters will go, did he say that audibly? Nope, it was a lot louder than audible. You see, God's still calling people today. And he's calling us. He's calling us as a church. Every person, I believe this, whether you have heard it or not, every person in this room who has put put their faith in Christ and follow Christ, every person in this room has a calling on your life. That's not always to be a preacher or a singer or a piano player or Sunday school teacher or anything like that. Mark, it could be to spend a life working at AT AT&T, impacting the people that you see. Pud, a lifetime of milking cows. 
You see what I'm talking? Wherever God plants you, He should have called you there. It shouldn't just be a job because He calls. And I just want to ask you, I, I got this from, a, from another preacher. I want to ask you this question. If God has told you to do something in the confines of this church, I'm going to ask you, could there be a bigger privilege in your life than for God to tap you on the shoulder and say, Hey, Jimmy. Hey, Steve. I got a real critical role for you to play in the building of my church. Will you come help me build my church? Because after all, the local church is indeed the hope for this world. You see, when we understand the magnitude of this call, is to understand and comprehend what Jesus is doing today. He gives it to us right here. You know what he says? I, verse 18, I will build my church. Do you know that's what he's doing today? One Trinity Bible College professor puts it this way. Since Jesus' ascension, the only thing he is doing is building his church. He's not directing the angelic choirs. They can sing without him. He's not fretting about the planet spinning out of, out of their orbits or behaving nicely. He's not worried about that. He's not taking long naps or doing crossword puzzles. His full-time focus, 24-7 attention, is on the building of the church, the hope of the world. And he's building it all over the world. He's building it in Spain and Saudi Arabia. He's building it in, in England. He, he's building it in France. He's building it in Foxworth. Just a matter of whether we're going to get in on what he's up to or not. Because he wants to build a church on this planet, in this world, in this community, in this county, that is indeed the one that offers hope to the world. And what is that call that he gives to us to build his church? The church is to stand up against and overrun the gates of hell. That's what he says right here. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, obviously, the pictures of the gates of hell are a, are, are a picture of a, a place of fortification. It's like a base with the gates built so nobody can get in. It helps us visualize the enemy, and the enemy is evil, and the enemy is powerful, and we must stand as the Lord's people against evil. May I just pause there just a second before I tell you how we're going to do it? Do I have to convince anybody in this that our world is dark? Do I have to convince anybody in this room that our world is going the wrong direction? If I do, I'm just going to give you a little hint. Turn on your television. 
The reason the world's going in the wrong direction is because the church has fallen down on her job. That's you and me. Brother Jerry, well, we're just, we're just on the creek. We, what are we going to do? Well, can I just tell you something? Wouldn't it be great that if a worldwide revival would come in 2021, and when historians chased it down to where it began, it began in a little congregation on the creek that changed and rocked the world as we know it. Excuse me. How can we do that? I've already told you my first message as your pastor. Two things I suggest to us that God is calling us to do. Build His church. Stand against the How do we do it? We must live by the great commandment. Hello? <laughs> we live. Boy, that's difficult. Any questions? The great commandment says, Love the Lord God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Our South Mississippi lingo says, Love Him with all your, everything you have. And then love your neighbor as yourself. And I would encapsulate in that that we have to love each other like Jesus gave that new commandment in John 13. You see, the truth is the only way we're going to offer hope to the world is love God beyond what we can even imagine. Love one another beyond what we can imagine. A little overflow. Love our neighbors. Believe it or not, we get to the point where we love our enemies because we'll understand that they are not our enemies. The evil one's our enemy, and he's the one causing the conflict. The Great Commandment. The second thing, Great Commission. Live by the Great Commission. You know what that means? That means we engage people in the gospel. And just Not just with our lives, but with our lips. And you know why we do that? Have I lost you? Are you asleep? It's because the church is the hope of the world. Jesus brings hope to us, and we're to be that conduit to bring hope to the world. I think it would be important for me to uh, to say this at this point, because there's so many, so many people that are lifetime creakers. One of you, and I'll leave, I'll leave the name uh, anonymous, said to me that I was almost 60 years old before I got a, more than a mile or two from my house. But here's what I want to tell you. Even us on the creek, this morning, we could all get in our cars and we can drive to houses, or houses that are full of people sitting there Watching TV, cutting grass, raking leaves, than there are in anybody's church. You know them. I don't know them yet, but I'll find them out. You see, hope is needed on the creek as it's needed in Somalia. The gospel is needed as much on the creek. How do you get to hell from the creek? You don't trust Jesus. Why don't you trust Jesus? Wouldn't it be sad? that the judgment day come and they didn't know about Jesus. They didn't understand. You see, the truth is, 
We have this call on our lives. Jesus engaged the hurting. He engaged the helpless. He engaged the down and out. He had the downcast, the sick. And he offered what nobody else could offer. And that's what he's called us to do. Now, how are we going to do this? We're going to figure this out. And we're going to be the church that does our best to offer hope to everybody. I want to tell you two things before I move forward so that I'm not misunderstood. Building the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to hear this carefully so you don't go out and say what I didn't say. Building the church of the Lord Jesus Christ does not have as, as its object or its objective numerical growth. That's not, the, that's not the issue. Building the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is, listen, is to, is to find people who are unconnected to God through Jesus. And you bring them to where they are connected to God through Jesus, that they are saved. And then they're brought in and we teach them how to follow Christ. We do this through Prayer and worship. Just in my heart, that's where we are right now. Prayer and worship. And then we will move to evangelism and discipleship. And then we will move to fellowship and ministry, which takes us into missions. We do this because it is the hope of the world. While numerical growth, the second thing is, while numerical growth is not the object or the objective, listen to this. More often than not, when we do what he's called us to do, (coughs) numerical growth (coughs) is the outcome. Is the outcome. And you know why? Because people want hope. Somebody say this, if your discipleship doesn't lead, doesn't lead you to evangelism, you need to change what you're doing. Years ago, in the 90s, when I was in Biloxi, we leased, as a church, we leased six 30-second commercials, TV commercials that we could put on a cable. We were amazed at how... It didn't cost us as much as we thought once we got the commercials in hand. And what they did, they had, had these commercials. And, and at the end of it, it said, uh, "Come, brought to you by the congregation of. And we thought it was a good deal. It gave good messages. But one of those, one of those commercials stay, will stay with me till I die. If you can picture the screen opened with a large empty room. And a man sitting by himself, and on the floor was a whiskey bottle. And the camera scrolled the room. And as it moved up close to him, the words were, Man can live 40 days without food. Live, I'm going to get this wrong, 40 days without food, 40 days without water. Four minutes without air. But how long can a man live without hope? And as it said that, 
It came around and panned on the face of this man who was obviously broken from a hard life. And the implication was he had found his self in the bottom of a bottle. Everybody's not an alcoholic, but there are many people that are broken and need hope. And Jesus calls us to give that hope. And we do it if we have the right confession that he's the Son of God. We do it if we have the right call that will build his church and build a church in such a way that the gates of hell not prevail against it. But lastly, we need the right commitment. The right commitment. Jesus says, this is stark. If you're going to sleep, wake up, because this is where the water meets the wheel. He says, I'm going to give you the keys. Did you hear that? I'm going to give you the keys. Key holders are important. In fact, someone, someone who is a key holder is generally important to the organization and the, and the business and is deeply committed. Keys are, are a badge of authority. Keys open doors. Keys lock doors. So put this in perspective. Local church is the hope of the world because she offers to open the door of Jesus to a church, to a a community that needs Jesus. We open the doors of the gospel. What a privilege to open the door to the world, the door of faith. I want you to consider that Peter, Peter, Opened the door of faith to the Jews in Acts chapter 2, to the Samaritans in Acts chapter 8, to the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10. Paul further opened the doors to the Gentiles in Acts chapter 14. The local church has been given the power to overcome the gates of hell and the authority to open the doors. We hold the key. That's why Brother Jerry is so passionate about this. If we don't use the key we've been given, the door will remain locked. And if the door remains locked, I want to be clear here. In the larger scheme, you may not like this, in the larger scheme of eternity, I don't think it matters to God one way or another whether the United States of America goes on or not, whether it survives. I will tell you this, without the local church offering the hope of the world, (laughs) I hold little hope for the United States. I have long said that the answer for the United States is not an election. It is a landscape-changing revival. And without a landscape-changing revival. And listen, folks, don't say, well, yeah, I've got to get a hold of them. No, sir, brother, listen. Revival starts in the church. That's a great awakening. That's awakening when they get out there. The revival starts in the church when God's people heart gets ignited for who He is and what He's done and what He wants to do. For the church... To be the hope of the world, we must reach 
our full potential. You know what that means? This book tells us that we're a body. This book tells us we're a body. Now, every one of you have a body, I'm assuming. So you know how the body's put together. The foot bone's connected to the ankle bone. The ankle bone's connected to the... You got it? Y'all with me? You got hands, you got feet, you got... And do you know that there are a couple of places in here where it talks about the different members of the body? Not everybody's the mouthpiece. Not everybody's the nose. I mean, wouldn't you like to be the nose? Not everybody's the hands. Not everybody's the feet. But whatever our party is, we need to do it to the glory of God. Now, okay, ladies, you just kind of take a breath here. The men won't mind this, but the ladies always mind it. Have you ever thought about all the parts of the body? Man, I want to be the feet. I want to be the hands. I want to be the head. I want to be the mouth. I want to be the ears. I want... Have you ever thought about being hair brother Jerry you lost no 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 I want you to hear this that's a nasty job but do you realize that if you didn't have nose hair you'd stay sick more than you stayed well all I'm trying to illustrate to you is that every part of the body is vital If we're going to be God's people, we have to do things that we've never done. I'm I'm going to tell you, and several of them are sitting right here. When we interviewed as your pastor, I heard it more than once. We are praying for a leader to help us be and do what we have never been or done. Before God as our witness, I am praying that we reach our full potential because God has given us a calling for a time such as this to be the hope of the world. You know how it begins? It begins one heart at a time. It begins one soul at a time. It begins one life at a time. I am praying, I am praying that God begins to ignite your heart and your heart and your heart and your heart that we have the power and the ability under Him to reach our community with the good news of Jesus. If we don't decide that individually, we will never decide it collectively. God has called us. Jesus has designed us to be the hope of the world. Let's pray together.